0: Hey, this is Adam Green, creator of the Hatchet franchise and the TV show Holliston, and you are listening to Nightmare Junkie. consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast horror podcast that appreciates any franchise associated with both Dawkin and the fat boys i didn't know you could do that i
1: can't okay (laughs) that's the extent that's like oh you speak spanish that's about it
0: well my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're kicking off a month of getting scared in the suburbs and we start by heading to Springwood, Ohio to talk 1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> and whether or not you've done the Freddy, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your,
1: where's your hall pass
0: hole? and if you're cruising out the hallway and you want to head on social media uh you can follow us on twitter at nightmare junk and on facebook at nightmare junkhead and it is on that book of face where we have an events tab which leads to shenanigans
1: and nightmare
0: shenanigans and as this episode is releasing on friday july 1st if you live in the kansas city area if you go to screenland.com, we'll have your nightmarish shenanigans taken care of indoors. Outdoors. And virtually. Thank you for giving me something nice and easy to go off of.
1: Because I was there was a lot of different I was like all up in your dude the Freddy hole. I was like all up in your like bitch hole. I there was a whole bunch of stuff. And I was like, eh, let's just take the road
0: less traveled. I appreciate that because I'm not gonna lie, there are times I live in anxiety because <laughs> just to give you an idea of how the sausage is made here that's the stuff we don't talk about initially i think i'm not gonna lie occasionally i know i'll throw something in here that i it know will me good, get you giggle Gets me good but then you'll throw in something occasionally that i think the best one in terms of an example was the a <laughs>
1: but also occasionally something that's just a little awkward right <laughs> and so especially when it's like whether I mean, it's masks or werewolves or something, like, oh, gee-hole, you know? Because there's not a lot of places to go from there.
0: No, well, so, Needless to say. It's so a nightmare, I figured, yeah. I breathe as a sigh of relief, <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> now, of course, on that Friday that this episode is releasing, we do not have a Friday night
1: fright. Ooh, no, but. Ah, what do we have? We are having Etheria film night instead of Friday night. It is going to be rad as shit.
0: And this I'm really excited with, because number one, Screenland has been partnering with Etheria mm-hmm. several years at this point because they will have their main premiere over in California, right. But then we're lucky enough, because of the partnership with one Stacey Pippi, who is she's just fucking rad. One of our favorite people ever, they we are fortunate enough to actually experience that in the theater. Mm-hmm. because it's one thing to see it on your laptop. It's one thing to see it on your home screen. I and mean, listen, I and have it's
1: great because, you know, you can watch the Ethereum. if you can't make it to Screenland, Oh, we'll get to why if they right. can. But but if you are in the Kansas City area, great to see it in yes. theater. They had at the at the L.A. premiere. It was hosted by Gigi. Yes.
0: And got a little honorary Got an award as well uh-huh. for just being like a constant inspiration. Because, again, you've got seven shorts all directed by women. And as Stacy will say, these are all. Feature ready directors, and they are, and and
1: um and and I should say one of them, one of them got me real good, and well I'll let you decide which one when you see it, but one of them got me real good. Now then, looking forward to next Friday, Friday Night Frights returns, and
0: man, it returns with a movie that a few years ago, um, uh, competed. In the 2019 Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament... I've
1: been saying from day one, it is a horror movie. It is a PG-13, big-budget, family-friendly horror movie, but proper horror. This movie and I'll say this again, I said it last Friday Night Frights, and I'll say it at the intro, was probably the sexual awakening for a lot of individuals. Stephen Sommers
0: actually probably has a lot in common with Jack's shoulder, mm-hmm. just in terms of people finding that awakening, Yeah, but inadvertently doing it. And this movie, of course, we're talking about 1999's The Mummy.
1: Emo mm-hmm. Tip. Coming from the grave. I love the fact that this movie's getting, like, a renaissance as well as brendan frazier
0: that's the refreshing part because when you go back to this movie and again between rachel vice who yeah. good lord i have been crazy and
1: and of course she's gorgeous
0: but also uh imotep's girl Anang sunamun who by the way is one of the Anna's in arrested development of course yes of course Ah, uh, i didn't make a
1: huge mistake on this one um <laughs> And, is, and, and I've been singing the praises of uh, Stephen Summers for a long time. I like his Creature Movies. Uh, where are you on Van Helsing? I liked Van Helsing. Okay, I it, liked Van Helsing a lot, actually.
0: So it's an I've seen that, and it's because of the fact that it has that reputation.
1: We should know by now. Don't listen to the hey. I, I know. I know. It, okay, I'll go. I'm going to go to bat for Van Helsing. I dug it for what it was. I wasn't expecting like. Uh, cannibal Holocaust and violence of gore. I was expecting <laughs> Wolverine as a monster hunter, and I got fucking Wolverine and Kate Beckinsale. I might add as a monster hunter okay. and f- werewolves that flip people off and monsters that saving the day. That's, no, that's where that's...
0: that meme comes. from I thought that was uh, is that oh, Wolverine's curse? No, Craven's that's cursed. cursed.
1: Not okay. no, my bad, my bad. That's but a... there is a werewolf CGI werewolf. But at the same time, I'm... I had a good time with it. I'm I actually, like Steven Summers. I'm actually glad though we exist in a world where we can kind of confuse a film based on a werewolf, werewolf that's meme, flipping you off, right? Yeah. But to see the great thing is in the character in the whole uh, Steven Summers theme, bringing back to uh, uh, from Van Helsing to The Mummy, is Benny is in it too. Benny's like Igor, His secret weapon. Yeah, he's fucking great. Kevin, I want to say I was almost like Kevin McAllister. Oh, hey, more tep right no but uh well it's he also partnered with
0: him in deep rising uh-huh again he is, he's that secret weapon he, he truly is and again I, I, it's just the charm though of brandon fraser in fact i was going back to when watching a lot of the late night appearances mm-hmm. especially the stuff he does with conan he you just he exudes this just you want to hang out with him yeah uh, did you ever watch him in scrubs
1: no, I never watched that show. Everybody says I should. They said I'd love it, but I never got into it.
0: First four or five seasons, you're good, but he's got a bit part that is, it just shows why he's incredible and why, like you said, he's got
1: that great ride. In fact, he's on, is it... Do you ever see Doom Patrol? No, it's an... I've seen that. Doom Patrol's fucking rad, I dude. I've heard it's proper. Doom Patrol is proper good, and he plays Robot Man, so basically That's he's cool. voice acting for the majority of the show. He's got some live action scenes where it's him being him, but... He's he's a he's doing really good as Robot Man. Here's he's the thing, foul.
0: We'll actually be going into Joe Dante later this month. That sounds dirty. We'll be looking at a Joe Dante film later this month. That's not Looney Tunes back in action. Did you watch that one? Looney Tunes back in yeah. action. Yeah, I liked it. I I see. I still haven't watched that one yet.
1: I thought it was goofy. I thought it was fun. It was what I wanted. I wasn't expecting serious. And I, I went in with like low expectations because it was on on the Saturday afternoon, and I'm like, fuck it, I'll watch Looney Tunes back in action. Cool. Yosemite Sam runs a saloon with Heather uh, Heather Locklear as one of the dancers. Dope. Well,
0: I will tell you this. If no other reason to come out on the 8th when this one is going to be released, and again, we're coming back for Friday Night Frights, but this one also has a penchance for utilizing cats as a defensive weapon. Oh, yeah. If you remember right, Emotip does not like the felines. He does
1: not like the feline. <laughs> See, that's why the mummy's got to go. No
0: no cats were hurt during that. Now, the other repertory screenings that are happening on the weekend of the 1st, we've got David Lynch's Lost Highway, <laughs> which I saw for the first time last year. Really? At Screenland. Yeah, I seen that. You Okay, so I was it's I can definitely BS my way through it initially having watched it in theater 1 in the front row. I still couldn't tell you what that movie's about. I don't know if I could still. I've seen that. But at a certain point during the credits, I had some incredible Rick Dalton moments because, number one, Richard Pryor's in it. Oh, yeah? Number two, Gary Busey's in it.
1: Hey, I'm on a Richard. And I bet, like, he only needed, like, sunglasses, and he would fit perfectly in a, in a David Lynch world. Like, no prosthetics, no makeup, no just, like, okay. And action. Take it, Gary. See, This Can guy gets it. This guy right here. Hey, Joe Boo, uh,
0: bartender. Joe Boo, uh, no bartender. Jo- bartender, Joe Boo needs a refill. Can I get you to fill me up on that a little bit of tea there? Yes. Thanks, man. I'm gonna keep that one in just because <laughs> I'm, I'm a little parched. I apologize. For
1: example, I was for waiting for like. Um, Thank you. That's hey, good. jackass!
0: Pour me another beer
1: it would it would have been appropriate and in character,
0: <laughs> but I didn't want to insult you as you are the man that is pouring the tea hey
1: hey, <laughs> at least I'm not spilling the tea,
0: but there are many more reasons to come out for uh that four k restoration of lost highway now of course, if you're still not comfortable coming indoors uh on Saturday the second, the latest and man their beetlejuice screening like sold out it had like two hundred people because he's the ghost and, with the most babe apparently they're a little anxious uh for that. <laughs> <laughs> but going a little bit more PG-friendly, and this is kind of embarrassing to say it's and I've seen that, because you'll probably, you won't judge me, but you're like, really? Uh, the Sandlot.
1: Oh, I don't judge you. Okay. No, I only... I, I know only you wouldn't s- judge me. I only seen that recently, well, the past nine years, so I was... Not one of your childhood, then. No, I was past, well, I wouldn't say past, because it's a good movie, but like... The target audience, right? Well, and it's
0: also one of those that if someone throws out a uh, you're killing me, smalls, right? You pretty you much know, know, where, it's know where it's from. coming from. Now, so head on out and check that out. Now, of course, if you're not in the Kansas City area and Screenland sounds pretty cool, well, there's a couple of ways that you can support them from afar. Uh, you can go to screenlandonline.com where they have a number of films that you can rent directly from them or better become a member of their film family. By going to Patreon.com/screenland, where amongst one of those perks is a little watch party that Genius and I put on, called the Shutter Shoutout, and you'll have access to this month's. And you mentioned if you're not in the Kansas City area, right? If you have Shutter, you can kind of have kind of have the
1: home game version. Seriously. With Stacy,
0: so as it turns out, uh, of course, the latest round of shorts from Ethereum Film Night are streaming on Shutter. But by joining Screenland's Film Family, yes, we have an awesome intro with Stacy, and then a great conversation with you guys afterwards, mm-hmm. which is just so wonderful. So to have the co-founder of the festival there to talk a little shop, and that's another reason why we love her so much. Yeah, uh, but of course, put together a little pre-show. She
1: took time out of her fucking busy schedule she was running amok like we got her like from
0: the airport <laughs> and again that's why we like lo- because she did take the time mm-hmm. so again thank you stacy for that so if that sounds like something that would be pretty cool head on over to patreon.com screenland but genius for talking uh patreon and film family
1: he bellies
0: we also have our own film family uh, forming over at Patreon, and in fact, one of our members of the film family here, at Genius, uh, they've got a new podcast they started. Woo! <laughs> now, I'm going to just run it by you. This is by uh, Brian Prather of mm-hmm. uh, previous the John Peters podcast. <laughs> go Bro- rank it a ten. Yes, great right. <laughs> uh, Bolero. <laughs> but started a new one, and it is entitled trust me, I know what I'm doing, the David Rache and Chicago Second
1: City podcast. I fucking love David Rache, man. Dude, David Rache is the shit. Every time he shows up, because I used to watch Sledgehammer first run, that was like one of my stories, even though like half the jokes flew over my head because I was a little young for some of that. It was like a more um, risque uh, police squad. Yeah. And Brian, it
0: should be noted, we do talk about this stuff beforehand, mm-hmm. um, but- to see geniuses light up when I said David Rache, he's like, oh, I do not love out. him.
1: He's fucking he's well, he's that character actor that nobody knows his name. But like every time he shows up, like, dude, I've seen that dude. But like fucking sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm always I, I was familiar
0: with his role in sledgehammer. But for me, he's always been that creepy photographer from Cobra.
1: Yeah. With the robots. With the robots. Yes. He was in uh, Swallow as the dad. That is correct. Yeah. You, if you oh my god I forgot
0: about that that's one that was one of the our second one of our first or second that like we released requests. on patreon yeah yeah so but head on over to check that out because yeah he's going to be looking at um, films from David Roche's uh, filmography sweet and he said from time to time he'll focus on uh, books movies television and albums from other second city alumni
1: excellent there's a lot of good stuff that came out of second City Oh my god. I mean a that's a lot of great stuff. Yeah,
0: that's like the ultimate farm system for entertainment and coolness. hmm Now that being said now, he
1: also recommended he uh the, oh. the Undertaker and his
0: pals, right? So the the tier that Brian is at is the another place <laughs> tier. And the perk of that whole thing is to make a recommendation for a film for Genius and I to watch. Now a couple of them have been ones that we're coming back to, ones we're familiar. Mm-hmm. But a large number have been first-time watches for both of us, and
1: I have to say, every single one of you who uh, that requested here and that have requested so far, oh, fucking knocked them out of the park. I'm not a stinker in the bunch. No, some incredible discoveries. But more importantly,
0: Brian recommended the Undertaker and his pals, mm-hmm. and it's one <laughs> I was always familiar with because of its trailer and its inclusion and in a number of. Genre compilation trailers. That one would always show up. Mm-hmm. So we're watching it, having a good old time because it's very entertaining, very brief as well. Uh huh. But then this closing song kicks the in. Closing song is fucking rad. And there are earworms, <laughs> but then there are ones where you realize you've been living your life code by a song that you didn't know existed back in the day? Well, see, that's the
1: funny thing because something like that's always happened in my life. Like, it's funny that you say I get this, like, weird look because, like, <laughs> somebody... My mom mentioned that one time because, like, I was singing a song that I we used to sing when I was little, and she goes... The first time you've ever heard that song, you had that same look that I just saw when you heard this other song right now, and I'm like, "What was that song?" She goes, "That la 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 la." And I go, "That one." And I so "Yeah." So whenever something like that, just I always like ah, uh, like like it, you know how they say something sticks in your brain, and it usually just put well, sometimes it just not just sticks, but it's like pushes its way, and like I'm here now, so. That's what this one, whenever I'm a party, I can't remember how it goes, but I remember the chorus cut, I cut in, yeah, yeah, I cut up, yeah, yeah, and I cut out, yes, he do, yes, he do, you never met a devil like me. And the sashay you were doing as the closing credits <laughs> kicked in. I'm singing that, the same yeah. way yeah. I'm doing And you're now. doing it right now. You're doing it right <laughs> the now. The same way we did off mic. I'm like, you never
0: there i like, I never stand in stare. And that was the best part of that first time viewing, because I'm just <laughs> looking over going, whoa, what, what is happening here? because you were having a moment <laughs> yeah. and that and we have <laughs> brian to thank for that now of course brian has access to our uh recent black phone episode which was definitely a lot of fun <laughs> yeah it was and our critters commentary
1: that was a lot of fun too <laughs> of course
0: and of course uh access to the shutter shout out content as well so again thanks brian uh, so again if you're interested in david rashay or anything in second city check that out more importantly, excuse me, my goodness, it's a sweet tea you've got me, my friend. It's delicious. Uh, if, you the like us, <laughs> if you would like, secret
1: ingredient is love.
0: If you would like us to wax your car and maybe make you some tea, <laughs> if the sweetest of the tea, uh, head on over to Patreon.com/slash/NightmareJunkhead, where we do have every tea and tear from a squiddly Diddly to another time, another place, <laughs> and from a month's worth. of... Of giant sized horror. Mm-hmm. The stuff that's pretty obvious for the most part. We're about to do a month of horror behind the doors that's supposed to exist where horror can't enter. Mm hmm. Whether it be a gated community genius or whether it's just one of those that real fancy ones that have, like, the fountains. And the
1: fancy houses. And yes. The whole community's got a name. It's, like, The Edge at Westerbrook or some shit like that. The sunny suburbs where oh, nothing bad happens.
0: These suburbs. And we were talking off mic, getting ready, and you yourself were, like, not necessarily an F the suburbs kind of guy, but... You're born and bred city, my friend.
1: I'm city, and here's the thing: you, the bad thing is, every now and then, we'd have to go to the suburbs to do some things because, I, even though I'm a city kid, there in where the city I'm at, especially at the time where I was living, the activities were sparse. Okay, so we would either go into the bigger city or we would go out into the suburbs for like shenanigans <laughs> and adventures. So, and these. Suburb ones never turned out as well as we planned. Of course. Because, again, nothing good comes from the suburbs at times.
0: Well, and I grew up uh, two places for the most part. Uh, Stanley, Kansas, which no longer exists, and Stillwell, Kansas, which is slowly but surely also kind of changing. But Stanley, back in the day, it was small town. Everyone knew each other. Like a Mayberry? Very much. It was almost a little rural i mean it was on the
1: precipice that cusp of that, yes that, that, that like 11 worth where it's it's there's farmers and there's also like construction workers because
0: i mentioned it and i can't remember what episode it was but again i'm gonna get very regional here back in the day there was an area of town called river ridge and you actually had to cross this rickety old scary bridge to get over there but <laughs> is it like where fucking sutter Kane lives and shit Maybe because it's number one. It's where all my rich friends lived, so I don't uh, know. Ooh, Maybe fancy. their parents were
1: giving their souls away to Satan, and ooh. that's why they could live
0: in River Ridge.
1: We had Piper. That was a whole like that was a that was a like, kind of county slash town where mm-hmm. everybody was like oh, fancy. And sure, like Ugh.
0: it's It's where I didn't necessarily know if I belonged because I had a number of friends that did live in the suburb proper. Right. Like, this is something that you would see in Revenge of the uh, Return of the Living Dead. Part two and they're like that kind of housing and suburbs and they're all more affluent very I I I, I, on the surface of things right and like you said that is the whole thing it is this idea of what the suburbs is supposed to represent Mm -hmm. in fact when you look at it and it's
1: it's weird because like When they say, oh, you're a city kid, you either are in two trains of thought about the suburbs. It's like, I want to go out and live in the suburbs Mm -hmm. or fuck the suburbs. It is either the
0: ideal getaway. Or it is the cautionary tale, right?
1: Again, uh, it, it all—it's it a cautionary to... tale for me because I ain't gonna lie. Some of these places where all the houses look exactly the fucking same, mm-hmm. but they're all the streets are all different and weird. You can it's get lost. Lost. You can get lost in shit, and you're like, wait, oh, I'm looking for the white house with the red roof. They're all white houses with red roofs, and you just see it for the miles on early. You're like, fuck. It's like in that Legend of Zelda, the Kokoriki Forest, where like they all look the same, but you get lost if you don't know the correct I... path. Pe-
0: I was gonna go out and and go ahead and throw a Mac and Dennis go to the suburbs. Yeah, and the, just the nightmare of it. Um, I would even go world famous mac and cheese. <laughs> but that's the idea. Is for so many people though that is the that's the goal. Mm-hmm. You've achieved that pinnacle idea. Some people that is safe for them, right? And I think that's the illusion. Of this safety, and I think that's the why idea of why horror in the suburbs works so well, because this idea, almost like this presumption or arrogance, right, that nothing bad can happen
1: there, when ideally it's like sometimes it's the seeds of evil. Exactly. I mean, a lot of people move out to the suburbs to get away from the dangers of the city, yet like it's even worse there, and they don't even realize it. And
0: like, yeah, that's, it started post World War II. And for the most part, it was, again, You could, a lot of it, you can look at it as
1: white flight. In fact, oh my God, when's the last time you watched Gross Point Blank? It's been a minute. It's been a I think VHS days, like about two years after it came out. Let me just say this.
0: Go back to it. It holds up. But there's a moment when he's going back to the high school and he runs into one of the teachers. She mentions white flight and it's just like one of those, yeah. It's just that reminder of the nastiness of this idea of not really digging diversity where the city is and then this idea of well thanks to these new highways we have these connectors now where you can travel half an hour from the suburbs into the city and Mm -hmm. back and forth and that creates the need for a number of other things and again right that runs into the infrastructure but it's inspired art in a variety of ways which is really cool Uh, one of the ones I knew from back in the day was rush Uh, and then also on the punk side, the Descendants, uh, they've got a whole thing of, a, uh, I want a suburban home. It's a, it's one of, I want to be stereotyped. I want to be classified. I want to be a statistic. I want, ah. Uh, it's been a while, but it's one of those kind of songs.
1: You got a bunch of cats right now singing along with oh, you. Oh, and they're
0: yelling at me. they what the hell, cat, you remember? But Second verse, name is the first fucker. <laughs>
1: you know, like, but like. <laughs> but, it's inspired art in a variety of ways, but it's never good been and bad. Against against it. They both fall in the two different camps, either the suburbs. And yep. even then you see people in the suburbs. And, of course, I'm not living in the suburbs, nor sure. have I, so I don't know if this is true. But when movies are about things in the suburbs, it's either about people like, wanting to escape the suburbs or like improve the suburbs. It's never sure. like, you know, I love it here. You know, none of the artwork is like, a lot of the artwork isn't like super 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 positive positive. and don't get me wrong and like again speaking of i don't want to be stereotyped if you live in the suburbs and your, everything is cool oh, absolutely we ain't talking about you no we're talking we're talking about like mo- horror movies yes. in particular yes but especially in horror movies because like like society you don't expect affluent good shit you know people with like money and wealth and all that shit to have like awful things happen or be awful you hope i mean because again eat the rich and shit well, but like and
0: that's just it but there's this idea ingrained to us that if we work hard enough if we sacrifice enough we also can ascend to that status and it's it's all about society mm-hmm. it's social there's a number of different things that you can read into i guarantee there's a number of dissertations that have been written about the suburbs and horror and how they intertwine how they define each other and i think like generational As well, like in the '80s when it was all about Reaganomics and kind of the rise of the the middle class, the the big suburbs. Yeah, Yeah, it's very interesting. Like
1: what? what was it? uh, Fucking three? Not three o'clock high. uh, Class of '84 when he was like suburbanite. Suburbanite (laughs) with such just disdain and disgust. You're a suburbanite, (laughs) George C. Scott. He's the he's the owner. He's the head of the HOA. (laughs) You have to have your fences. Three feet high! I'm just all pissed off and shit. Uh,
0: Again, I'll sign up for that. I'll sign up for that. I'll watch it. But there's beauty, though, I think, taken and kind of showing, and I don't want to say the hypocrisy of it, because, again, I know a lot of people that live in the suburbs, and they're amazing people. And they're great people.
1: But also, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's schadenfreude to see, I don't know, maybe this is the the opinions spoken of genius mcgee you're the ones of only maybe like a little bit of shine in front to like see a couple of like okay cool we'll knock you down a peg or two you, do you think you exca- you think you escaped the city okay okay all we got is pimps and chuds fine we'll send the horror to you well and that's the other thing
0: is horror exists in many different ways and ma- and it manifests itself in a variety of ways and i think that's why Horror is cool. Yeah. Why it's such a fun, diverse,
1: and complex genre. And you can throw it in a variety of areas. And it go again, it goes to that, like, I think one of the main loves of horrors is one of the main, for a lot of people, is mine. You take normalcy and you throw chaos into it. And that's exactly what's more normal than the suburbs. There's nothing more normal than the suburbs. You should feel safe where you're in your neighborhood and your home, especially your home. Yet you throw in um, uh, weird Eastern European families that bury people in the middle of the night. You throw in knife-wielding child diddlers. You throw in mini Gary Buseys. You throw in all sorts (laughs) of shit. Yeah, oh, you're oh, yeah, that's
0: that's Canadian suburbs. I like that. I so like that. So you
1: got and you got different variations all over the world of it like I the Canadian suburbs. Fucking terrified. Yep. You know, that yep. little tract home shit. Oh. That perfectly
0: mean, plays into it. Mhm. And then when you look at it in just in terms of whether or not it just takes place in the suburbs or again, the suburbs as almost like an existential idea or threat. There's a variety of films out there. So when we're putting together our list, there's a lot to choose from. Oh, Lord, there is. And it was like, well, that's primarily all slashers. That's this. That's that. So programming this month proved both challenging and rewarding. Mm-hmm. But there was definitely one film that I knew would either be our commentary on Patreon or a, a an episode here on the main feed. Right and there are a number of films that 300 almost 350 episodes in genius we've never devoted main episodes to yeah but they're felt and talked about throughout those 350 throughout, episodes it's not
1: like we've ever ignored them i mean no. although like we probably have like two or three episodes devoted to the critters franchise but yet like <laughs> og ones seminal ones like all of the thing certainly, last year. certainly and if
0: you were to if you were to search proper in any podcasting something may not pop up right per se but one film we agreed on from the get-go that established so much in suburban horror fantasy horror the slasher genre a little bit s- of everything something that launched a franchise isn't even the proper term. No, let,
1: launched a... A pop culture phenomenon? A brand. A brand. A, f- oh. a, a brand. A, a, a very... One of the things when you say like it's very Romero-esque, you know exactly what you're talking about. But oh. This is one where you can say this is very Freddy-esque or even this is very Nightmare-esque and then you know what you're talking
0: Ronald about. Ronald Reagan himself mentioned a nightmare on Elm Street in one of his speeches. Mm-hmm. If that tells you anything... Now before we get into 1984's Night Random Street proper, let's go ahead and start by looking at the director. And this is what I'm excited for, because I want to look just look at up to 1984
1: Wes Craven. Because to go
0: from literature professor at a private college, and I can only imagine his lectures were probably the driest of humor. But you, if you were one of those students that dug it, you just loved him as an right. instructor. Uh, to go from that though to porn, that's where he literally got his start. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is like late 60s, early 70s, so this is just getting any kind of experience behind the camera. Have you seen any of them?
1: I have not, I've never searched out for Wes Craven porn.
0: That is fair, that is fair. I know. There are people, there are craven completionists out there that are not going to rest until they've said, and I think people know it, it, it exists. People it, know it exists. I if mean, you want to like,
1: find it, you can find it. You'll find it. I'm sure it's on the, I'm sure if you dig hard enough, it's on the internet somewhere. Now
0: a movie of his that helped define the aesthetic of the seventies in horror, a movie I only watched for the first time last year was the last house on the left. That movie is hardcore, isn't it? It definitely, it met all my expectations. Uh, the score, number one, though, it's so AM gold.
1: It is AM gold. That's that's one of the main things it's, about, like, that sets up the aesthetic of the 70s, especially in that. Such scenes of horrific violence and brutality oh, and, offset with, and that's all right with me. Because, fuck, I think that's where that joke came from. That's not all right with me. No, it's not. You it know what not. I'm saying? That's- Wes
0: Craven is responsible for a number of things with this podcast, but... The fact that it's very much a take on, you know, the United States relationship with Vietnam at the time. Wes Craven, as you mentioned, he's very smart. Mm -hmm. He is one of those cerebral filmmakers, much like uh, Cronenberg, where there's a lot going on
1: in his movies. A lot of levels and layers, and he's done a lot of different academic research about shit.
0: Well, that's the other thing, too, is he's Mm well-read. So anything that's in his film, it's there for a reason. But then also in the 1970s, he gave us The Hills Have Eyes.
1: More importantly, that gave us Michael Berryman. Michael Berryman. That movie <laughs> is fucked up. Oh, uh, Save me some of that baby meat. You know, and like...
0: Animal trauma warning. Animal trauma.
1: Lots of animal trauma.
0: Holy smokes.
1: I got to that but one. animal comeuppance as well.
0: Twin German shepherds, my friend. Yes. I, gave, I That was one of the first ones I remember renting on film from the local... It's. It was a bank at one point, but my cousin worked at one of the first mom and pop video stores, and I rented directly from her, and, huh, was petrified, terrified, traumatized because it's. It looked dirty. real.
1: It's dirty. It's, oh, it's dirty. It feels real, and it's still affected to this day. And like was, and the, I would, I would be. I don't know. Like I would be like, okay, well, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we're going to show some fucked up shit. Here's the thing. I had at that
0: point watched Weird Science multiple times. So to see Michael Berryman, I'm be like, hey, it's that funny teacher guy. You Michael know? Berryman,
1: as you've never seen him before. Oh. oh. Jupiter, this is Venus. Venus, this is Jupiter. recreating famous nuts. It was, nice. He does that little ear thing. <laughs>
0: That's awful. That is awful. But regardless of its effect on us, it established Wes Craven as like. This voice of 1970s horror. Mm -hmm. Dark, gritty. Mean. But but, uh, with an underlying message. A lot of messages. Absolutely. Which didn't necessarily launch him into success. Uh, His next film was in 1981. That Amish horror film, Deadly Blessing. With
1: uh, Ernest Borgnine? With
0: Ernest Borgnine. (laughs) I believe it also has Sharon Stone in it. Oh, yeah. Is it Sharon Stone or is it the one from Road Road Warrior? Road Warrior. (laughs) <laughs> regardless, you've not seen this one, I take it. Uh-uh. Okay, I've not seen it. I've just seen the trailer. That's just it. It was on that uh, compilation. Uh-huh. So this is one we need to see because then the following year, I know a movie we've both seen and one you always forget that Wes Craven did direct a comic book movie, but uh, in 1982, we've got Swamp Thing.
1: Mm-hmm. But the Swamp Thing is rad. I don't know why it gets a lot of hate. I liked it. I liked the transformations, the mutations. They always freaked me out. Me because too. They the look cool. Horror. Yeah, they look cool. That when that guy turns into a pig, it's fucking nuts. It's terrifying. It's fucking nuts, Dr. Arcane. Oh, Hell good yeah. one. The, the werewolf monster who yeah. turns at the end.
0: The um I always watched it on channel 62 back in the day. It
1: always came on 62. Always,
0: which means always. it was partially edited, but it didn't take away the power, but I loved the kid in there when he's like um I can't even remember. Anyway,
1: That movie's slick. It gets a lot of hate.
0: I don't know why. Wait, when's the last time you watched it properly? Well,
1: then I should probably watch it before I say I don't know why it gets a lot of hate. It's been... I
0: haven't watched it since I lived in Stanley, Kansas. Yeah,
1: I think it's been since the 62 days (laughs) Okay, since I've seen that. We
0: might need to re-watch that. Right. We might have to get back to you on this side if we Mm -hmm. ever do swamp horror. (laughs) Yeah. Y'all, y'all have suffered swamp swamp ass. Uh, Prepare for a month of swamp horror. Oh, I like swamp horror.
1: Get it back to the bayou. You know we ever sing down the bayou.
0: The now, <laughs> in 1984, we got a
1: sequel to The Hills Have Eyes, mm-hmm. the second one. Have you ever seen that one? Hills Have Eyes 2. I want to say yes. I'm not 100% sure. I'm, I think that's one of those ones where if I start watching it, it would be like, I've seen this. Here's the thing. If you've seen the first one, you've seen a
0: lot of it they kind of took a Silent Night Deadland approach where they recycled a lot of material. Oh. But they were kind of, Wes Craven was desperate for money at that point and needed any kind of director job. So 1984 was kind of rough at that point. Now, that being said, um, Nightmare on Elm Street was pretty much poised to make or break both Wes Craven and... And then the company that was brave enough to take a chance. It's
1: this little independent startup company. A guy by the name of Robert Shea. And uh, probably his sisters giving him ideas. Lynn's in there Lynn's somewhere. somewhere.
0: She's somewhere. But New Line Pictures. And we talk about there are several uh, production company logos that just give you this Pavlovian response. The New Line
1: Predator logo? Fuck yeah.
0: That old school one when it's flashing in and out. The
1: red one? Oh. Yeah. So good, so good.
0: But at that point, they really hadn't put out any specific original material. Uh, Alone in the Dark was one of their first films they put out. Really? Yeah, again, going to Jack Shoulder and all of those cats. <laughs> <laughs> Ch- chop up your mother. <laughs> Jack. <Palette. laughs> but more importantly, uh, they actually distributed a lot of John Waters' early works. S- sweet. Yes. So like... and I mean, for- we're talking like
1: out of the back of a trunk of a car going from like schools to prisons. I don't know if you'd want to go to schools with a bunch of John Waters films in your back. You know what I'm saying? That might not be... You have to stay at least 50 feet away from a school with a John Waters film.
0: Truly an education there. (laughs) But I believe Robert uh, Shea did take out like multiple mortgages to make this movie happen. So there's a lot riding on this little independent, odd...
1: Fantasy slasher film. And it cost him like one and a half million. 1984, one and a half million.
0: That's actually quite a bit for a low budget movie. Uh Uh-huh. Now, that being said, the movie itself, as we talked about, Wes Craven very much bringing an academic approach, was built upon a news article where some Asian men were terrified of their dreams to the point where they were putting off sleeping. And then by the time one of them was given some medication died
1: in their sleep. sleep yes yeah and it happened to multiple people
0: yes which is even
1: scarier right
0: when it comes down to it maybe they knew each other maybe there's a connection there <laughs> but then that combined with a uh, bully from west craven's past and this incident where as a kid and again let me let's just say this this is all in never sleep again right we're the reason we've never covered this because we
1: can't add anything really new to the conversation. You all know this stuff that like, we're talking about. Like we said in The Thing, like, you know? I'm like, mean, I'm looking at all my notes. I'm like, they know this. If you don't know this, oh. welcome, you know? Oh. And if you've never seen A Nightmare oh. on Elm Street, the original before, mm-hmm. like we say, everybody's podcast is your first. Certainly. We assume that you, as you're horror fan, you've seen this movie. At least one time. Right. But if you haven't, may we suggest going to see it? And if you're like, oh, I don't like it. It's old school and blah, blah, blah. This movie is proper good and that's the reason why we can't really add anything new because it's not like one of those movies where it's like you know 20 years ago everybody thought it sucked and now looking back on it it's really good and there's a lot of shit to say no this movie was great from the get It's been great from the get, and it's only getting better with age, especially with hindsight being 2020. You know, I'm not to say talking shit on the remake, because I'll even say good stuff about the remake. Oh, yeah. I'll say good things about every single Freddy movie and every single iteration. But there's something about the original that just makes it head and shoulders above all others. I think it's because this is, don't get me wrong, my favorite is Cartoon Freddy, right? I love three, I love four, five. But he is proper good in this one.
0: Do you? What was your first Freddy? Do you remember two. first Freddy? Okay. Oh man,
1: that's scary. Freddy two, still. Two. Two in the theater. Oh my. Oh my god. Indian <laughs> Indian Springs top level, because I remember walking. Because if you went to the top. If you parked in the back, that was instant to the top. And right by the theater was the fun factory. So you had to go past the uh, theater to go to the fun factory. And so I remember when they put up the poster, poster. they had both Freddy posters. They had the cool one with the the thing in the mirror. Uh And they had one with just where he's above the house like that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what movie is this? (laughs) Right? So... Um, I went to see that movie and I was like, whoa, this is what he's all about? And like fucking in dreams and scary and snapping towels at people and shit. Nuts. So then the movie, the original came on TV. So mm-hmm. the first one I saw was edited. Mm-hmm. But then like two family video because this is before Blockbuster. Oh, yeah. So this is oh, yeah. just mom, mom and pop because yeah. this, this is the one right by Walmart. And that whole strip mall is not there anymore. Okay, you're getting very regional. I'm now. super getting super regional because I'm having like these it's, weird like flashbacks. It's living in the city. <laughs> so yeah, I got that and watched the unedited version. It was just like, this is proper good. This is so it's been a with me forever. Well, and it's really funny too because I
0: didn't see it in the theater. This the first time I saw it. It was like three quarters of the way in about the point where Glenn gets sucked in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God. But I knew by reputation of this movie. And I'm talking like word of mouth on the like lit- on the literal playground where I had some friends that had like older brothers that had seen the movie. And they are talking about how scary it was because the one thing when you're in the suburbs, and if you're at home, the idea is you're safe in your home. What's even safer than when you're at home and safe, you can then go to sleep. That's mm-hmm. like the end goal because you have to recharge. We all have to we sleep. We all have to sleep. And I think that's the brilliant premise of A Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. and why that stuck with me as a kid. But even Nowhere worse. Nowhere is safe because like, no.
1: like you know, I live my life by horror. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to go camping. I'm not going to go in the ocean. But you know, sure as shit, I love me some sleep. Yes, you do. You know what you I mean? You embrace <laughs> the sleep, my I friend. do. I do. I get naps when I can.
0: I'll sleep in. I'll sleep. You're, you are you are Freddy's ideal like client mm-hmm. in many ways. You have had a number of phobias, a number of things that he could pull from. I yeah, do. You love yeah, to sleep. He, <laughs> he, you're gonna, he's gonna have fun with you. He's gonna come
1: in with a wig. He's gonna give you the Bugs Bunny treatment. He's I gonna, mean, he's just gonna fuck with me. He's just gonna, constantly for years because, like, if he lives on like Dream Power and shit, oh yeah, I'm an all-you-can-eat buffet for his ass.
0: Well, I remember the Siskel and Ebel, Ebert review, oh, that- and I remember the little bit of footage they showed, and it was the footage of his arms growing. And that was the only imagery I needed to see to know I could not stand, that movie was going to terrify me. That stuff stayed with me. Uh, if I was ever walking by myself at night, because it was a small neighborhood, I would walk up to the, the playground in the evening, all I could imagine is Freddy behind me with those long-ass arms, and you cannot get away from those long-ass arms. Mm-hmm. And by the time I saw it the first time, that scene was long past. So I see everything. I see I see Nancy, all these booby traps, and I'm like, what the hell kind of movie is what this? Was doing? Home and Loaning it? it? Way before, before the Home, home and Loan, yeah. yeah. Uh, but then, like you, I was able then to see it proper. Via, I went to the TV Guide, in this case, and watched it proper and just had my mind blown. But I do want to go back to a time, at least via October 1984, because I think this came out in November mm-hmm. of 84. So I want us to all try to imagine a time... Without Freddy Krueger or A Nightmare on Elm Street. Because that's the one thing. When I announced on Patreon that we were going to talk about this, uh, Charles mentioned it's hard to imagine a world without Freddy. Yeah. A world where that doesn't exist. We often say there are some people that have never existed without the internet. There are some people that have never existed without Freddy. Yeah. In their lives in one way or the other. That's
1: insane. Because I would have been like six... Was and eight. That's about the time when you like before six, you can't remember shit, you know, mm-hmm. unless it's like deep-seated fears and trauma. But you well, yeah, know, but a number of that, people are going well. Yeah, I've right, got like, some oh, i got therapy Right? No, but no, mm-hmm. yeah. Life without Freddy—that's weird. And to think
0: then of the horror that had been coming out to that point, it, the saturation of slashers—you mm-hmm. still got. Like in 84, I think Razaback mm-hmm. came out. So you still got some interesting other subgenres within the horror world. But
1: nobody's going in and out of your dreams killing you.
0: No one's really explored that to that right. point.
1: A, more of a cerebral killer.
0: Uh, leave it to Wes Craven right. to do that. But then more importantly, I think it comes down to the collaboration of this movie, just in terms of, you know, Robert Englund's performances, Freddie, because it had it been David Warner. Would have been a different movie.
1: That blew my mind, man. The fact that it's... like David, David fucking Warner. First of all, I love David Warner. Ooh, I, I I love David Warner. It
0: would have it would have been a different movie, but it still would have been a good movie. It still
1: would have been a good movie because they show some of the like makeup. Screens. Yes, he looked great. He looked fucking great, and I can just imagine his presence. Like fucking the dude from Waxworks is Freddy Krueger. Would you like a closer look, bitch? Right, and just like. <laughs> do slashing people. That'd be fucking rad.
0: Regardless, in then comes one Robert Anglin fresh off of V. But mm-hmm. more importantly, I'd like to he think was, he was also Buck. I'd he love to think a truck. Wes Craven loves to do the F word thing as well, and was like, I'm a really big fan of uh, your run and Toby Hooper's eating alive. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> when we were first saw, we we're like, Whoa, Whoa it's Robert Anglin That's Buck. Which makes who me drives think the truck? Quentin Tarantino was a big fan of that film. Oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely.
0: But this is sadly, when he passes, if he get mentioned on the Oscars, this is what we remember him for. Of course, he's.
1: He, be, you can't. Some yeah, characters are synonymous. Some, no matter, Mark Hamill. I love Mark Hamill. He is my Joker. But he's always going to be Luke motherfucking Skywalker. Robert England, he has been in The Mangler, he has directed Phantom of the Opera, he has um, had his own series with Nightmare Cafe, he's an accomplished book author, he's done all sorts of shit, but he's always going to be Freddy fucking Krueger, even in like, probably his tombstone, Robert Freddy Krueger England. So, the very first
0: film that he directed, 976 Evil, in the trailer, it's from uh direct from Robert Freddy Krueger England right. i mean it's so they're capitalizing on it but it's
1: because he created at least he's one fucking disney he's he's you say freddy krueger you say homer simpson yeah. you know exactly what who they are and even whether- if you don't speak english nope. even if you've never seen any of his movies even if you haven't seen Anything you know you can Freddie. You can go to Japan,
0: you can go Freddy Krueger, you can flash your audience. Uh, ah, uh, Kruger son. Yes, and you flash the little your fingers, people know. Yeah. Regardless. It's incredible that it started though with this little low budget indie film. Mm-hmm. But again, it's the this <laughs> s- <laughs> laughing his way to the bank. Uh huh. So I just came back from watching Elvis. Uh-huh. Which not too bad. It's definitely I it, want to see it. I like Boz Lerman. It's a Boz Lerman Elvis movie, okay? I like Boz
1: Lerman. But there's I like uh, his films.
0: There's a moment when Colonel Parker is talking about the merchandising, merchandising capability of Elvis. Merchandising, merchandising. We didn't get the Elvis Presley flamethrower, but the the commodification and merchandising of Freddie from what is established in this movie as a goddamn kid
1: killer is incredible. To child's pajamas to To a plush doll that talks that sounds like Beavis do your homework bitch <laughs> cool right it's incredible now.
0: to the fact that he goes from just the boogeyman to this Johnny Carson-esque that's also showing my age there but the, hi-oh but it all starts though with him in this film that's wild <laughs> it's wild crazy that's weird wild stuff um it's been a while since I've actually gone back to this movie proper. Me too, and that and that's kind of nice. And it's one of those films I probably didn't have to. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it so many times. Yes. Uh, the fa- last time I actually watched it proper though was when it kicked off uh, the Never Sleep Again marathon mm-hmm. back at the Draft House, and I won't lie, I stayed up till the first proper jump scare in Tina's uh, nightmare. <laughs> Then I went home real quick and took care of Lola. Then I came back and then stayed up for a while. Uh, but it's been a while since I've watched it. And I think from the opening to the closing, it's a masterpiece. It is. It is. It's, it is
1: from top tip top to bottom. There's reasons why it has withstood the test of time. There's reasons why it's spawned a franchise. There's reasons yeah, why they tried to remake it and they're not it never quite hit that spark. Oh. There's Reasons why he's still in the cultural zeitgeist of everybody because that movie was so powerful from the cool predator esque new line cinema to <laughs> the opening shot with the frame in a frame oh. where he's building the claw.
0: It's it always, I always forget about that. He's crafty.
1: Like, well, I always forget, number one, if like
0: my ra- ratio aspect is off, and I'm like, wait, is something wrong with is, the Blu ray? Is
1: this a Fathom event? Boo! And just like throwing shit out. <laughs> thank you
0: social media and mick garris <laughs> he did it in a very nice congenial mick garris kind of way which yeah. was always funny uh, <laughs> go but fuck yeah. yourself right
1: <laughs> what about clovis go fuck yourself
0: <laughs> oh but yeah i always forget about that whole thing and it's the end result when he reveals it and then that kind of peaks with that charles bernstein score Uh It cascades, it builds, it's scary, and then you transition right into Tina's Nightmare, and then you get the white, and it's that white starkness that, again, another thing I always forget about. And how that kicks everything off.
1: Yeah. And just, and and introducing Johnny Depp. And then, like, oh, well, (laughs) we'll we'll get to him in a minute. But the cast cast is great. But then the opening shot to just her, the white, and the sheep. And you're like, what the fuck is the sheep doing? What's going on? And then the the chanting, the slow motion, it sets up a lot of atmosphere. And that's another thing. You start so much with Tina and you go throw so much with Tina. And then when Tina's swiped off you're like oh shit
0: when you're watching this for the first time in 1984 that has to throw you off and you know Wes Craven did that on purpose mm-hmm. and at that point Amanda Wiss she'd been in a number of movies from like Fast Times at Ridgemont High I I knew her as Beth from uh, Better Off Dead so she was a familiar face for me and so to, for that incident to happen was horrifying and even I'm sure uh, that first time what? again I can't pinpoint that first time through rewatch first time watch but i know it freaked me out and Mm -hmm. it really messed me up because it's mean and it's brutal and it's inventive and it shows you not everyone is safe
1: and in this case wait who is safe right plus like the fact that like i liked it because she's fucking flying around and floating around and shit and it looked cool because it's practical and then it was invented to look that way that initial chest that cut wh- in <laughs> yeah the invisible uh, the invisible yes, razor it just, yeah it's so affecting because all the effects still pretty much well aside from the blow-up doll at the end but <laughs> all the effects still really yeah. hold up and there's still shit that freaks me out to this day like I know that there was there's been not the contentious but there's things that Rob Shea wanted in mm-hmm. that Wes Craven was like no and he's like well I'm giving you the money so right and like I know that they fought over that oatmeal staircase scene of which we're both fans of that fucking freaked me out when I was a kid, when I first saw that shit, because here's the thing. My grandma had a carpet like that that looked like that. Oh, yeah. And so after I saw it, I was like, Oh, okay. Did and you so walk carefully on the up side, on, the side? on the sides. I would walk. <laughs> so I would make sure that I wouldn't step in that oatmeal.
0: Some kids avoid lava on the floor. Other the horror kids they avoid oatmeal, oatmeal on, the on the stairs, right?
1: <laughs> because if you're on the stairs, that's fucked up. If you're oatmeal it's a- on the floor, okay, you can maybe either like, yay, yeah, oatmeal and roll around in it, or like, you know, maybe it's like quicksand and if you don't struggle, you're fine. But like on the stairs, you're stuck. Yep. You're, you're and you can fall forward or backwards and even get more fucked up. So. Needless, s- it, it affected a young genius. It does. Obviously. And I still don't like staircases. with the. I don't like little staircases like that because if I can walk on the side where there's no you like. Y- yeah.
0: Oh, God. That's really funny. That's really funny. Well, it does end Tina's nightmare with that jump scare with Freddie doing a simple pop up behind her where he is just simply crouching the entire time. And
1: the reason why it's so effective because you just see like his ass. Like his ass and his shoulders go around the corner, you're like, okay, he's over there. Surprise! And you're like, whoa, shit! I knew it was coming. Still, it's one of those like the thing jump scares when he's <laughs> testing the blood. You know it's coming, but it gets you every fucking time. Same thing with this one. I know it's he's coming right behind Tina and he's gonna like, but it gets me, and it's so. Basic
0: and fundamental and I think that's why it works so well and
1: the same thing happened with Nancy when she's going out the Sean S. Cunningham directed scene yes when uh, she's going outside at, by the trash cans and he's like eh, and he comes out of the, the bushes right yep. I'm like whoa shit right because I don't like things coming out of the foliage anyway. Usually it's a critter or a... It's you know, a critter or something. Nothing good. Nothing Nothing friendly is going to sneak up from, fo- from foliage behind me.
0: Well, it's really funny. Uh, when walking Charlie, I have several phrases that I throw out. And depending on the time of day, one of them is non. And non stands for no alleys at night. Because number one, you know... Eh, for, but number two, in the back of my head, I think, because of you... Mm-hmm. Freddy can exist in the alleyways and at night those arms can extend and I don't care how much Charlie will try to defend me we're not getting not away much from that no. no
1: especially if it's like Freddy as Rats or Freddy as oh. Street Toughs forget about it forget about it can you or imagine like a cats. whole can you imagine a whole gang of a gang of Freddy Street Toughs like where are you going, nerd right and just like nope i'm nope. telling you man i'm done freddy I'm can done. do that shit that's why he's scary cuz he feeds upon your fears with and, talent and power
0: he's also establishing in this movie Kind of the mythology of Freddy and the parameter of what he can do. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's very simple. He can kill you in your dreams. Right. Very
1: simple. He can do crazy shit. Yes. He can't really he can... control everything around the world just yet. He can't put you in like... But he could. He could. He, he could if he wanted And that's to. just it. They don't really
0: over-explain it. The origin is very simple. And in fact, you want to talk about a welcome... Hey, welcome back. Welcome back, John Saxon, to the mm-hmm. podcast.
1: Of course. We... If you're gonna fight, if Freddie's gonna try and slash you, you gotta have that good layer of chustle and also whichever piece he decides to bring out, which apparently his doubting
0: piece, the doubting authority or
1: the uh-huh. authority of doubting, no, the that the the redundancy department, the redundant department dependency department. That's pretty
0: good. But his performance is awesome, and in fact, opposite against uh, Ronnie Blakely, who. I watched here for the first time uh, Walter Hill's The Driver, of which she has a really big part. So when she showed up in that, I'm like, hey, it's Nancy's mom. But we get very young, making his feature film debut. Well, Heather Langenkamp, I knew her from her sitcom days. Talk about that, because I think a it number was of just people. just the
1: 10 of us, I believe. Which
0: was an offshoot of Growing Pains. I think so, because he was the coach. Yes. And like had a bunch of daughters. He had a bunch of daughters. Which... As it turned out, I think at least three of them worked in a Nightmare on Elm Street film. At some point in some time, yeah. Which is crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I love Heather Langenkamp. I love everything she's done for genre. I love the fact that she still continues to contribute with special effects. I think in Parts 3, in A New Nightmare, she really gets the character. This watch, I don't know what it was, but there was something with her delivery. And maybe also because I was very fresh off of... uh, a uh, delivery from uh, House on Sorority Row where we got a... Ri- I'm not saying it was near anywhere near that level. What's going on? It was nowhere near that level. But That was bad. That there was were moments, bad. though, where you could tell she was early on in her acting career. Right. She wasn't as
1: seasoned as she was.
0: No, and again, no fault of her own because she grew into the character. But it was just this particular rewatch that... It, it, took me a while to really get back into her and the but man by the time you know she's talking about how being in a survival like go get it, Nancy but it,
1: see I think that's also maybe like again with hindsight being 2020 and like me trying to think outside the box that might be a re- the reason why because she's not really the main focus until almost the halfway point um, so if she's so kind she's of annoying dead. and just there cool you know because we're worried about what's going on with Tina although I got to admit I don't I didn't think she was, I don't think she was bad at all, but I do think that there were some parts in there where she fucking nailed it, where I was like, God damn, that is proper good acting. But I can see what you're saying with that one, because she definitely has comparing the two performances in Elm's one and three Mm -hmm. and six, Mm -hmm. I believe, seven. Yeah, it's night and day.
0: Oh yeah, well, she—I mean, she's grown and an as herself, yeah. yeah, as
1: a character and as an actor. So no, but I'm glad they saw that. I mean, I'm glad they saw something in the like, hey, she can do this because she does. And oh, she's great! Uh, the fact that she gets the rogue little thing with the
0: hair—I like that. That. The fact that uh you know Roger Rabbit himself
1: shows Dr. up, Doctor Roger Rabbit is the doctor, and then fucking Lin Shea. of course Lin Shea because it's Lin yeah. Shea. But then in that whole scene, that's that, <laughs> then her whole scene, which before she freaks out, and they're like he's talking about, he's reading the Shakespeare, and then he's over there all of a sudden just starts whispering. I'm thinking like, is this like Shakespeare ASMR? But soft, what light through yonder window breaks? It is the East and it's really you know, and so uh, crinkles, tinkles, tinkles, way
0: ahead of her time, tinkles. Shakespeare, she knew what was going on.
1: <laughs>
0: that also involves and is a prelude to, I think, one of those scenes that was seared into my brain back in the day, but the Tina in the body bag and that entire sequence from just the haunting, Nancy, help uh-huh. me, to the invisible thing, her being Drug. told, uh, where's to, your hall pass? <laughs> the fucking hall pass, but then even like her arm dragging, like those little, very specific things that just stood out to me this time. Culminating, and again, Freddie popping out chasing Nancy, but this is the first time I really noticed. Was he, was he Tina that entire time?
1: I think so. Of course, like because I think all visions are, are gonna him. be him. So okay, He's okay, just fucking with her. Okay, and before that, when before even Tina dies, when that great scene and often replicated seldom improved when he's coming out of the wall oh, oh, oh when gosh, he's just oh, coming God. out of the wall and just watching and then like oh somebody's coming and then he just kind of rears back because,
0: wonderful because it's real it's light is bouncing off an object it's not a bunch of ones and zeros mm-hmm. and I know they did that with the remake it was a CGI thing I uh, yeah it's effective it works and also kind of sort of introduces the concept of Christianity into the mythos, just in terms of this idea of him symbolically, I'm sure, knocking the cross off the thing. Right. But how eventually that was interwoven. does
1: coming to play within the whole nunnery and shit.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, talked about the Charles Bernstein score, the fact that... Uh, that was eventually interwoven into uh, shit, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the
1: Fresh Prince. Right. But I don't think the score's ever sounded better than this one. because the, OG. It's the simple, it's effective, and it's proper made scary. They don't try to like, hey, let's put like a hip-hop beat into it because they, of the yeah. style of the times. No, it's- You know, they just, hey, let's make a scary fucking music.
0: Yes, that adds atmosphere to what is already a scary concept, made even scarier with the actors, the special- Again, the collaboration and everything working the way it did.
1: Right. Back again, the special effects, the kills. We're used to seeing slashers. We're used to seeing slashers slash and do their thing. But never have we seen like somebody being drugged invisibly around the room. We've never seen Johnny Depp being pulled in and then just buckets of blood being shot out.
0: The first time I ever did see this film, I came in at that scene, and it freaked me out because what the fuck is going on? Bodies aren't supposed to contain that much amount of blood, right? And it freaked me out. It weirded me out. And then even worse then, and as we find out it was an accident, is the way the blood starts tilting. Tilting
1: the side. That made it give it an ominous feel.
0: Terrifying. Mm -hmm. Terrifying. But so over the top. And it is one of those infamous scenes in horror. Yeah. Everyone knows that scene. And because of a reason, Tina's dispatching the same room used, which also, of course, they used for a break in two, Uh which is kind of rad. But that's why it works, is because it is practical. I just there's something to be said to the craft that was put into this film.
1: Even again, when the the um when the hand comes out of the bathtub, that's oh, that's terrifying. I, I know you're a you're a bather. Trust me. Yes, As right? someone
0: that takes plenty of baths. I'm constantly, huh? and it doesn't matter because it just it'll happen. Mm-hmm. And I am conscious of never falling never falling asleep right because of shit like this
1: a oh, way to go glenn can't even stay up for five minutes you know i was like god damn that's so funny they're coming to kill you and, I'm, and johnny depp's like who would want to kill me and i'm like well i can think of one person okay. so like <laughs> and that's
0: why this film has aged so interestingly because if you could guarantee if you a lot of people probably backwards engineered from his fame and the high times of like pirates of the caribbean mm-hmm. and because internet was pretty well received at that point people were like oh what a nightmare on elm street
1: i, I didn't know he was in a nightmare holy on elm shit street. Yeah. yeah
0: to the point now where again the career ebbs and flows people are still going to backward engineer into it at this point but like you said some people might take a more cathartic approach to it at this point yeah <laughs> uh yeah it's interesting but again that's the little bit of trivia that's always nice to have within your genre movie. And also, I think of what he did embrace being part of the movie. He came back. For, he came back for a couple of like Freddy's, Freddy's dead. dead. Yeah. 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 yeah that, that commercial. Uh huh. Yeah. This yeah. is your on uh, Boonk.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Let me
0: ask you about the ending in terms of how they dispatch Freddy. Does that work for you?
1: Yeah, okay. because I think it sets up Dream Warriors. I think it's proto Dream Warriors because they're like, yeah, you just kind of take power back on your own dream, and then I liked it. It worked for me, even okay. th- when he disappeared. Because if you think, oh, that's hokey, you couldn't defeat Freddy that easily. Well, cool, because they didn't. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So like, Freddy's it works. in for the long term. Yeah, it worked for me. It did, and even the the, the blow up doll whew, worked for me. That that whole end scene where I know. Craven didn't want it at all. I could see why cuz sure. it looks silly. It's pretty hokey. It looks silly. Well, and but I, I mean it makes kind of sense with the rest of the film. It's just kind of Dreamlike and weird, but I like the fact that. <laughs> Let's go back to a little oh. bit of merchandising because they're all about the merch, bro merchandising already. Because a couple of notes one, they already had the 1 800 Freddy hotline. Oh my god, that's right. I'm your boyfriend, right? And then <laughs> did you notice that when he was talking, when uh, on speaking, going back to Glenn's death, when he's listening to the radio, this is like, and this is K R G R, spelled out Kruger, yes. Uh huh, and like. Pleasant dreams. And then like that. And I'm like, ah, nice, nice, nice. Nothing I didn't catch until like super recent, like almost this rewatch. And I'm like, "Ah." (laughs) so it sets up what's coming to organically without even knowing it without and expect because this was going to be a one and done for Craven.
0: And that's again, there exists a universe somewhere out there where this movie didn't necessarily inspire the franchise and is a one and doneer, and is one of those films where you go, oh yeah, you remember Wes Craven? He he did Swamp Thing and A Nightmare on Elm Street. Whatever it, happened to him? Yeah. Yeah, but no, we do live in a world now where they're still trying to find a way. In fact, um, are you watching Stranger Things? Not yet. Okay, I you know he's part of the cast. Oh right?
1: yeah, uh, Robert Englund. Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting until everything is said and when done. done. And then Not necessarily binge it, but then like, take your time after. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I know they mentioned that. The villain in it uh, is very. I've heard some people say this is the closest they've gotten to an Elm Street sequel, and sometimes in terms of tone and delivery, Mm
1: -hmm. which begs the question. And again. You like waffles, bitch. Is he going around yelling obscenity at the kids? Keep him away from the kids. Time has told us again. He is a kid
0: killer. uh, But that's the thing, also, is the fact that in the suburbs, within this, there existed this evil where. Your children aren't safe. And we're not even talking within the dreams at this point. Right. He was, this was before, person, he was a real person. That's terrifying for most people. Mm-hmm. Someone that had access to that. Someone that when you live, and again, this idea the assumptions are our own, but the idea is once you're in the suburbs, you're supposed to be safe and your neighbors are supposed to be people you can depend on.
1: And as we're going to find out the rest of this month, no. They're, because even like, even you're not at safe with their own home help something's happening oh you're fine let's put bars on the window hey can you come and help me in about 10 minutes sure that's one of my major contentions. not like beef with this but one thing i noticed she's like hey can you come and break down the door in 20 minutes sure honey i'll do that okay i don't know it i can fall asleep pretty quick but she booby trapped that whole fucking place and fell asleep and fell freddy in 20 minutes that's uh, that's pretty good. She's efficient. She is efficient. And then she was like, "I'm about survival." First, I was like, "Yeah," but then my mind, broop, next thing I know, I'm seeing her like in a bunker okay. with like buying like thousands of rolls of toilet paper. She's got gallons of gas. Gallon- you never know World War is coming,
0: you know, so like there does exist uh, uh, some sort of like weird fiction where it's like her and Sarah Connor teaming up as survivalist. Yeah. Well, you know,
1: they did kind of have like um a thing in the, the, the uh, speaking of horse, merchandising, the spin-off where Nancy does kind of like come back and like the ghost that. way. Yeah.
0: No, it, it is really it it's not surprising because by the time that part I think by the time I think it's part four that really establishes him as this no longer the boogeyman but this pun master that is can sell things a mm-hmm. variety of things uh and yeah we were just watching this thing on youtube he's talking about like the top 10 things of a nightmare stream right. you may not know right he shows us his collection of the merchandising and stuff that's out there and a lot of it we're
1: like that's pretty cool. Action figures toys and we're like, okay, this guy's a kid killer yeah. and yet he's got kids he's toys. Celebrated. Right? Like cool. You know, but again because he's fiction, we have that weird cognitive distance, sure. you know. He does terrible things but yet he's popular and he's funny and everybody likes him because he's Freddy Krueger. You know, seriously, it's weird. And uh, but see, here's the thing. I like that side of Freddy Krueger, but upon this rewatch, there's something about that low-budget scary mean freddy this is like jason one and this is like friday part two it's
0: still proper terrifying and Mm -hmm. scary there are moments Mm -hmm. when he and you mentioned he's big into self-inflicting pain yeah it's not so much the pleasure he takes in it, but it's the pleasure he takes in making sure... You see. You see it. Hey, Tina, look at this. Uh,
1: <laughs> multiples. Uh, 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 when he's getting ready uh, uh. to
0: mess with Rod, and he sees he sees um, Nancy, he's like, hey, Nancy. <laughs> uh-huh. When he gets ready to you know, like do the cut on the chest, like, all those times. And it plants that seed where you can uh, eventually see how they can extrapolate wacky Freddy right. from there. But here... It just adds to the menace. Yeah, he ain't wacky. No. This guy was terrifying in person, and now he's terrified in your dreams. (laughs) He's going to fuck you up. Uh. He's going to do the... We didn't even talk about that. So, if you ever attend a uh, Friday Night Fright where we're going to be screening any kind of film on the Elm Street franchise, rest assured if you get there early, (laughs) you will see a video of this... Japanese or Australian band I can't remember I think it's Australian but they do this song and
1: the thing is the name of the band is Freddie and the Dreamers that's crazy 1963 that's crazy. crazy right Freddie and the they, Dreamers uh, okay and so they have this song called Do the Freddie and it's one of those like kind of like Australian pop beat, very, very early catchy. Beatles that's yeah. super catchy yes. Yes. and they're like with the happy beat walking down the street. That's the, the Freddy, Freddy, Freddy. They've got to dance. they got to dance. And he goes, swing your hands, wave them to and fro, or some weird shit like that. And he's kind of just kind of, he looks like Buddy Holly, just like mm-hmm. a very Beatles. Uh, and then like he's like, ha, 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 He laughs. So, Freddy and the Dreamers, 1963, I believe. Q. 1988. Late 89. 80s. We were at
0: like peak Freddie merchandising
1: potential right we're talking like part three or four has just dropped yes okay there was this album where they took a whole bunch of like and it's not even music from movies no it's not even a soundtrack it's officially licensed because it's got the likeness it's freddie i think they even (laughs) sponsored by lou new line but it's just like a cash grab oh yeah so basically it licensed all these weird things i think like the uh uh Version of like uh, uh, Johnny and Santos Sleepwalkers it's, is in there. But here's the thing is they take all these weird remakes of, of, with a house band of these songs, and they interject. It's not even Robert England. Now, he's on for like a couple, but like. It's mostly a sound alike. It's like a Frank Welker-esque kind of person. Right. Not even Frank Welker though. No, it's like okay, we can't get Bill Murray for the cartoon. Let's get Lorenzo Music. Okay? <laughs> so, it's kind of along those lines. So <laughs> So it's like and it's it they make they they just ring it through the synthesizer four or five times. Sure. Right? Cuz it's the 80s on the belt. And they had the, it's a little Brit pop band. And it, when you walk the street and the happy feet, that's the Freddy, right? But interspersed is the this bargain basement always say Freddy laughing and saying shit like... Ah! <laughs> right? And the, when your hands to the two of fr- <laughs> It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. They do the same thing with like the sleepwalkers. <laughs> Well,
0: <laughs> at some
1: yeah. at some
0: point we put out whether on Patreon or on the main feed a what's the score where we listen to that and I remember your first time hearing it and your reactions were legit like what is this what the fuck is this going on? and I should city. say our friend Abby uh, uh gifted this to me on vinyl so thank you Abby for that cuz that has been the thing that continues to give so much goodness <laughs> and then it
1: spawned off into other things cuz we had the other for the do the well, whatever
0: we realized if you could do the Freddy, then why can't you, you know, do the Jason? Right. <laughs> right. Depending like it, on the. the and and you, we even have
1: Freddy's dance too. Because oh yeah. like in this one, he's got the big arms, so he's doing the he's doing that breakdancing. Well, move. and
0: this is I'm not gonna say the way that a Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two ruined um towels uh, Marshall Bell, Marshall, Bell and with towel. us. <laughs> But the fact that this song has kind of ruined the way we view some of these things. Enhanced. And <laughs> that's fair. That's totally fair. Because it's also Freddie. upon this viewing, I've got many years of all that baggage. <laughs> and the beauty, though, is still identifying that it is terrifying and yeah. scary. Works in so many ways. But then also looking at so many things going, oh, my God, I can't believe that came from this. Or, well, that, that makes sense in this case.
1: Right. Yeah, yes. no, no. It, this is a great rewatch, and
0: I do think also it works perfectly in terms of establishing scares in the suburbs. And we're definitely going all over the place. Now that being said, other thoughts on a Nightmare on Elm Street?
1: Mm, that was a great full burn. Ooh, that one shotter. That yeah. And that, then it comes back, and he's still on fire, going up the, the stairs, stairs, getting fall down the stairs, coming back up the stairs, falling down again. While he's on fire, I don't think enough props goes to that fire scene because that's that terrifying. is a full-on burn. And That that's, is a good-looking burn, It too.
0: sticks out because you're like, well, he's he's still going. Yeah. He's still going up yeah. them stairs. I will say the fire, that entire stunt actually does lead to one of the weirder kills with the mom. With the mom. And the reveal. Because when it shows initially when he's on top of her on fire, scary as all get out. When the reveal and then he's she's kind of like a burnt puppet and she's and flo- melding melting into melting the in bed like the a, a arm vortex. raises. that yeah. was odd it's that was I was like okay melding the fantasy and reality the sure, dream's reality you That's know fair. but and again she shows up at the end yeah no again a variety of kills vari- they don't get too complex and crazy With the dream logic, which Mm -hmm. I like. It doesn't necessarily, they're not building...
1: phantasm territory yet.
0: Yeah, no, they're not building, like, the set pieces in the movies aren't built around the kills. It's still built around the characters Mm -hmm. and the journey they take. That happens in the sequels. This one's still, like I said, regardless of where we got sequels, you know, having my grandma know who Freddy Krueger is, to just having this by itself we'd be we'd be good yeah we'd be good absolutely so
1: other thoughts there good sir no we'd be fantastic just having just this og and nothing else but i'm glad we live in a world where there's more freddy because anytime we get a chance to do the freddy we can do the freddy (laughs) there's a lot to whatever your flavor of freddy there's a little bit of flavor now that being
0: said, uh, we're going to continue our exploration of the suburbs. We're probably going to get lost because we're—that's not our that's thing. That's how it happens
1: in the suburbs. You get lost.
0: I will say this next one is definitely more horror adjacent, but it's also one that has taken the journey from being—and I've seen that episode with just me—to showing up here on the main feed to make sure because I know you were a super—you were the one that was like, oh, "What'd you think?" I'm excited for this. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee, and we'll see you in your dreams. I'm ready.